This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, and when we get sober, they can almost feel magnified at first because we're adjusting to feeling all our feelings again rather than using alcohol to numb them. I was honestly really surprised when I got sober at how many emotions came up for me. I remember literally saying, I have so many feelings right now, and it felt really overwhelming having to feel them all. But the great thing about that is that it gave me the clarity and awareness that I had some things to work through, like people-pleasing and like my own self-talk. That's where therapy can be so helpful because because it's a safe space to get things off your chest and begin to work through what's been weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I really love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com happiest today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash happiest. You guys know I'm all about making our lives as easy as possible in sobriety. Well, you can eat stress-free this spring with Factor Meals, and they're offering my listeners 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month with code HAPPIEST50. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted and dietitian approved You can choose from a weekly menu of 35 options plus more than 60 different add-ons. What I love so much about Factor is that I've never been someone who makes time for cooking, but with Factor, I have delicious meals ready to go and on the table in just two minutes so I can get back to doing what I want with my time without the hassle of any prep, cooking, or cleanup, a total godsend. Factor's also celebrating Earth Day all month long, so look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for their lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash happiest50 and use code happiest50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code happiest50 at factormeals.com slash happiest50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And welcome to Happiest Sober Podcast. I'm Madeline. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited for today's episode because I'm bringing you a new guest, which always makes me excited. I really, really loved getting to have this conversation. Today, I'm chatting with Meg Fee. And if you follow Meg on Instagram, then you might know her as You Don't Have to Drink, which is her Instagram handle. I've followed Meg since like kind of the early days of getting onto sober Instagram. I've always loved her account. I love her posts. I think she's an amazing writer. Just like so much of what she shares there really has always resonated with me. So I was really excited to get to talk to her and hear more about her story. Um, one of the things that I really love about Meg's account is that she speaks really openly about the fact that she's had slips and that's been a part of her sober journey. And I think she's just really trying to take the shame out of slips by talking about them openly which I think is so important because it's such a common experience when you get sober so we chat all about that we chat about her story we chat about how relationships can shift when you get sober we also chat about getting married sober because Meg got married last year and she did her wedding sober so we get to hear about that um it was such a great conversation so I'm really excited to bring it to you today um I'll just also give a content warning that part of Meg's journey is that she is in eating disorder recovery so that's something that we also talk about in this episode Um, so be sure to take care of yourself if that is a topic that's triggering for you to hear but otherwise I won't make you wait any longer so here is my chat with Meg. Hi Meg! (laughs) How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Sipping on my coffee. Are you drinking a coffee? I meant to ask you when we got Um, on. 
Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. I usually, I shouldn't because I'm, tr- I, I feel like I say this every day on my Instagram. I'm trying <laughs> to stop drinking so much <gasps> caffeine, but are you are. trying? Yeah. It makes me jittery. Okay. So when I'm anxious, I like have to notice if I'm, if I'm anxious, I shouldn't be drinking a lot of caffeine. Like if right. I'm anxious, it makes it worse. So right now is good. Cause I'm calm and we're just chilling. So yeah. I drank an obscene amount of coffee, like genuinely a ridiculous amount, but I, I just like would never dream of trying to cut it back. I know. I just, it's like one thing at a time, right? Like we, we've already yeah. cut out booze. Like how much? That's how I want. feel. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to drink all the coffee forever up until bed until the day I die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up until bed. That's my yeah. husband. He can do, he can do that too. It's wild Oh my to God. Me. That's totally me. I've gotten so many messages recently. Like, how do you go to sleep? <laughs> I'm like, I just do. I don't know. <laughs> no, it just works for your body. Yeah, it does. It does. It. Anyways, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. First of all, it's our first time meeting virtually. So weird. I know because I've been following you for ages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I absolutely love your account. I love your posts. I love your writing. Um, And we're going to get into all of that. But oh my gosh, I'm that's why I've been just so excited to chat. But I something that I love about your page and that I think is so valuable is you talk really openly about like slips and like starting again and like really kind of like taking the shame out of that. Um, so I just want to hear more about your story. So like what, what for you made you decide to like start your sober journey? I, it's such a loaded question, right? I know. And it's changed (laughs) as I've gone and as I've gone back and like analyzed the decade plus more than a decade I spent drinking, I it's changed, right? Like Mm -hmm. I always had, I always had an issue with alcohol, I think in the back of my mind, but didn't really act on it until my late twenties. And I think the further, the longer I spent drinking, the worse my behavior got as I, you know, as I neared 30 And I think the driving factor was fear for me. Like I was afraid of what was going to happen to me or what was going to become of me if I continued drinking like in my thirties. And the reason I guess maybe I didn't, I don't know if it made any sense before when I said like over time, it's because when I look back, it wasn't always scary. Like my drinking wasn't always scary, but it got scary towards the end. Um, So at the end it was fear. But there's so many reasons, like, you know, there's so many reasons why I keep going and why I keep kind of like chasing sobriety slip after slip. Um, And, and yeah, I think slips are just so common, like so, so common, but also so hard to talk about for a lot of people Um, and so hard to even admit, you know, I told you before we started recording, I slipped, I started trying to quit drinking in 2020 and I slipped after like. I think I had like somewhere between two or three months. And instead of like being easy on myself and graceful about it, gracious, graceful, um, gracious with myself about it. I like, I was so ashamed, mm-hmm. um, and mortified. And I like deleted my, my kind of like Instagram that I was using to track my progress. And, um, so I think that's why, like when I came back on Instagram to give it another shot, um, 
and it's just so funny how Instagram is tied to my sobriety or, and every, you know, a lot of people's sobriety now. Yeah. But, um, so when I came back, I just really wanted to talk more openly about slips and, you know, it's uncomfortable. And I actually did get some pushback, like from the community, from fellow, really? um, yeah. When I, when I first posted about my slip and my like big slip that I kind of talk about often, um, because I was, I was sharing a lot about it and some people were like, this is, you know, this is like glamorizing. This is no, not glamorizing. They said, this is, um, like encouraging slips, um, it's making it, you know, this is dangerous for a lot of people. Like a lot of people can't slip and that would be detrimental to them. And that opened my eyes. Like I was like, that's so true. So I got a good perspective from it, but yeah, it was, it was hard to share about at first. Yeah. Wow. And like, really what you're not trying to say, like, Hey, go slip. It's fine. You're trying to say, if you have slipped, like be easy on yourself about it. And like, here, here's like, here's my journey. You're not, you're not alone on that. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. And I was able to talk about mine because other people did before me. So it's like, right. And I was able to get sober because other people talked about it, um, online before me. So I'm like, if we gotta, if we, you know, we need to share in order to, to like, to normalize it and to move forward. So yeah, it was interesting. I always feel like there's so much value in them because like I, it took me a few tries to get sober. Um, and I always like looking back the last time I ever drank, I always feel like that experience gave me that last bit of clarity that I needed. It was like the thing that made it click for me waking up one more time after yeah. drinking where like suddenly I was done. Oh my God. And like, yes. who knows if that hadn't happened, maybe I would have gone like a lot more time, like white knuckling it. And then like had a bigger one down the road. Like you just don't know. Right. But, um, yep. I always really feel like sometimes they're the exact less bit of information that you need to know that you're, that you're done and that you're in this. Yeah. And you can slip for like, there's different reasons for me. I've had multiple slips that have been impactful for me at this point. And I, I completely resonate with what you're saying because there is one specific slip that I was like, mm. okay, th- that's it. And that changed everything. And I always say the date was four, three, two, one, April 3rd, 2021. Oh, I love and that. And that was like my original date. And I've slipped since then, but that will always be like the turning point for me. Like I definitely resonate with what you say because it's like there's always just like one more thing you have to see. But I feel like then the, the slips that happened after that, like the slip, the first slip, sorry, to go back to my first slip, it was, that was at my bachelorette party. And I realized, I remember reading about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized, um, like I wasn't prepared to, I wasn't prepared to handle cravings in like a celebratory setting. Okay. Um, but I had like, I'd gotten through so many other so many other days, like hard days and situations without drinking and relying on alcohol. But that was the one situation where I was just like, I was feeling amazing, like surrounded by the people that I love the most, like in a very calm, controlled setting. And I, yeah, I slipped. And, and then as I reflected on it, I was like, Hmm, like I hadn't been in that situation before. So I feel like you can always find something to learn, I guess is what I'm saying. Like each Mm. slip can bring something new that you can apply going forward. Um, and you don't have to like 
let that flip turn into a whole, you know, snowball effect, I guess. Yeah. And oh my God, I think that's such an important point to touch on because something that actually really shocked me in my early sobriety was that sometimes happiness was the biggest trigger to want to drink. And I feel like when you think of triggers, your brain thinks of like hard days or like something sad that happened or stress or this or that. And I remember being like, sometimes it is the happiest times that I miss drinking the most. It's like, oh, I had good news. Usually I'd be popping a bottle of champagne to celebrate right now. It's a birthday. It's a this, like those are the hardest times sometimes. Yes. I don't think that's talked about enough either. It's, it is. Yeah. Sometimes. And especially tricky when you get to that point in in early sobriety where you feel stable and you're like, okay, maybe I can control this. Like maybe I can go back to that because you want to, you know, you, I guess it's like you start believing the lie that alcohol is glamorous and alcohol is fun and it makes you fun and it adds and enhances when we know it doesn't. So yeah, I like that perspective on that yeah. celebratory slip. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I'm curious to come back to you. So you said your, it wasn't your last slip, but you feel like it was like the slip that, that really like made you feel more solid. Like, can you tell me why? I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you like what happened. I, it's funny. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't anything it wasn't anything big. Like it wasn't like a rock bottom or like a big, scary situation. I was just, um, I was with my, I was with my husband at his friend's house. We were going over for dinner. It was, um, yeah, it was April. So he was, he was like barbecuing. Um, and I went in with my kombucha, like me and my husband stopped at, um, a grocery store before going, I got my kombucha. I had my seltzer and, you know, this friend does, um, they drink and, you know, I just knew I had to be prepared to come with my own options. Cause I was like, they're, they're definitely going to be drinking. Um, and I, so I stocked up, I talked about it. Like I decided I wasn't drinking and, um, I went and I guess, it, I don't know something about, it's always red wine for me. It's always, mm. always red wine, every single flip. Um, every single time, you know, yeah, it's always red wine. So I just, I was like, okay, I'll just have a glass. And I just fell for it again. You know, I just like fell for that sneaky craving and the next day, and I didn't even, again, like it wasn't my worst, it wasn't my worst scenario. I didn't even, I like how I'm saying, like, I didn't even black out because most of the time I would black out and I didn't even, I didn't even didn't black out. Um, but I woke up. I, we were, this was, I think I said it before, but it was my husband's friend. So we were up home with my husband and his mom in upstate New York. And the next day we were going to see my husband's grandmother, um, who was in nursing home. And I was so nauseously, like so nauseous and hung over in the car. And, um, I, my mother-in-law had to pull over the car, her new car she had just gotten. And Mike's grandfather was in the car, Mike, Mike, my husband, and she pulled over the car and I had to throw, I had to throw up like, outside the door. And I was mortified, like mortified. I don't think we were even, we weren't married yet. So she wasn't even my, she wasn't my mother-in-law just yet, but yeah, future mother-in-law's new car. I almost threw up inside the whole thing. Um, and that was just like, maybe it was the, maybe it was the fact that like my in-law, my future in-laws were involved and saw it. Um, maybe that's what made it different 
Mm-hmm. Um, but something clicked there. And then after that, I went almost a full year. I went um, 280 something days and then it was my bachelorette. So I kind of talked about them in reverse, but. Right. Yeah. And was the bachelorette the last one you said? No, um, okay. I'm right now I'm 130. Let me check my chat. 132 days. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's always the red wine. So 132 days ago, it tricked me again. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing like wild or crazy, not really any big story, but just fell for that, fell for that lie about wine again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it feels different after every, like after recommitting, it always feels, I always feel a little bit stronger. So yeah, just got to keep going, you know, practice what I preach. <laughs> For sure. I'm okay. I'm so curious to come back to like your initial response to my first question. Cause I found it really interesting that you said the biggest thing that gave you the push to get sober was fear, like mm-hmm. fear of what might happen. I feel like I haven't yeah. heard that before. Can you like expand on a bit, it a bit more like what, so you drank for about 10, 10 years before you kind of started your sober journey. Like what was your relationship yeah. with alcohol? Yeah. So I, I mean, I started drinking somewhere in my teens, probably like, I, I would say the, probably the first time I tried it, I was probably 16, 17, like somewhere in that range. Um, and I, my, my family drinks, like I grew up in a, um, very, like I said, with my wedding, like huge family, mm-hmm. um, and great family on both sides, but just, you know, drinkers, big drinkers. And, um, so you know, I was always for always around alcohol. It's always funny when I listen to other people's stories and they're like, oh no, my parents didn't have alcohol in the house. I'm like, that's not my, not yeah. my story. <laughs> I was around alcohol a lot as a kid. So okay. um, I'm sure that played a part in, you know, just, just me just thinking it was a normal part of life and part of like growing up. And that's what you do when you're older. So, right. Um, so, you know, like many other people, I just started drinking in my teens and then in college, um, I went to a big party school in Arizona and um, gained like the freshman 15 from all the beer and vodka that I drank my freshman year of alcohol uh, of, of college. And I, that's when my, um, that's when my kind of like disordered eating started too. Mm-hmm. So drinking and eating like that whole thing, it, my struggles with both have been intertwined from the beginning, probably since high yeah. school or college. Um, and partied through, through college. And then I, it kind of just, I moved to New York city after college. I started working immediately in advertising and working in advertising is, you know, like it's stereotypical, but it's, it's a, it's a big drinking environment as well. You know, like you see a show like Mad Men um, and they're just constantly drinking while they're, you know, like writing their ad scripts for TV and stuff. And Um, it wasn't very different from, from that. It was, you know, we had a bar in the office, um, always stocked and, um, thirsty Thursdays that got pretty rowdy every single week at work. And so drinking was just like, it was just always what I did in my, in my spare time, you know, with coworkers, with friends, with family, um, And I, I always blacked out, like I always experienced blackouts. So, and over time, I think in my twenties, it started becoming like, I'm 
I'm the one, like I'm the friend that gets like hammered that needs Mm. to be like taken care of. Like I'm the friend that is going to bitch you out because I get in this weird drunk blacked out state where I don't even know what I'm fighting with you about, but I'm going to fight with you. Um, I became the friend that would Irish goodbye and disappear. And everybody would be like, is she okay? Like where, you know, I even had cousins who made me add them on, um, like find friends because they were like, oh, Megan's going to ditch us and we're going to have to make sure that she's home because she'll be blacked out wandering through the streets of Manhattan trying to get home. Um, And so, you know, it's kind of like, ha ha funny at first. And then it's not funny when you like wake up in the hospital, which I've been there. Um, And it was just, it was becoming riskier and riskier. Like my behavior Mm -hmm. was just so my behavior and my actions and my moods and everything were just kind of just not aligned with me, with who I am, like who I know who I am. Um, And as I entered, you know, my late twenties and as I got into, you know, I met, met my now husband when I was about 25. um, And I was very much like in my stage of my eating disorder where I was purging a lot. Um, and so it, that was getting really bad. Like my eating disorder was getting really bad and yeah, it was just, it was getting scary. And, and like I said, as I, as I closed in, you know, I stopped doing that after a while, I guess it's always kind of hard to talk about my, my eating disorder and the alcohol in the same conversation because it, they went through different periods of time. Like, okay. They went through different stages. Um, throughout my 20s but I think my point was just as I as I closed in on 30 um it was just becoming scary and I started questioning like what kind of mom am I gonna be like Mm. um am I gonna you know like I'm lying to my husband and like sneaking drinks and like this is just not who I am so I kind of felt like I was living a double life I was a little bit afraid of myself so that's kind of why I say yeah fear is like who am I turning into like what is going on yeah that's a powerful realization being afraid of yourself yeah I think everybody can relate to though like having two brains almost you have like yeah side and then you have like, okay, who, uh, this is who I am. This is who I really am. Um, yeah. so yeah, it sounds dark, but, um, I guess it did get a little dark. <laughs> yeah. Little it's great. Like it's crazy how sneakily and gradually that can happen. Like, it's like you said, like it started out kind of fun and funny until it like wasn't anymore. And I feel like a lot yeah. of people could probably relate to that. Like I know, I know I can, like, I relate to a lot of what you said. I remember I was even a bridesmaid in a wedding. Um, it ended up being like, a, I guess about a year before I got sober. Um, and I remember there being conversations like who's going to be the sloppiest bridesmaid. And like, everyone said me, like, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, it kind of almost yep. becomes like part of your identity in a weird yeah. way. And I felt like yeah. when I quit drinking, I almost, I was like grieving alcohol, but I was also grieving this aspect of what felt like my identity, my personality, even though drinking is not a personality, like all the alcohol themed gifts you'd get. And like, you know, like all that kind of stuff. No, I completely agree with that. It does become part of your identity. And what comes to mind when you say that is 
again, going back to my in-laws, I always start, start out being like, I'm not going to talk about my family. And then but I do it. <laughs> but it's always it part. Day. It's always a big part of it. Right. Yeah. But they, they don't drink. And mm. when you say, when you bring up like the identity thing at first, when me and my husband started dating and I say at first, when I really mean like the first three, three to four years of, of dating him, I would always, I was so judgmental. Not, I wouldn't say judgmental. I was so like, how, like, I just couldn't understand how people weren't drinkers. So I'm like my family and me, like we're drinkers. Like that's part of our like thing. That's our like family culture almost. So it it was kind of like part of, part of my like, yeah, identity for a while. It's, it's weird to, and, and there is grieving that goes along with it, oh, especially sure. if you lose friends or if relationships change, you know, like a lot of people lose friends when they quit drinking. And yeah. I could see that being like a whole grieving process in itself, you know? So how were your relationships impacted when you started on your sober journey? How'd that play out for you? I mean, my, well, my relationship with my husband improved I mean, yeah, we've always had a a really good relationship, even like in the middle of all of my struggling, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I I guess when your relationship with yourself starts improving, like everything else starts affecting that, you know? So the, the worst relationship that I had was with myself. Like I, I maintained positive like friendships and relationships throughout my drinking throughout my 20s yeah but same here I would yeah so I'd say like my relationship with myself is probably the one that has changed and it's still changing the most like I'm still figuring myself out and figuring out what I like to do and what I what I want to do like I was like what I want to be when I grow up because I still don't know yeah <laughs> I know I have a have a full career but it's, it's, I feel like that's being a millennial <laughs> yeah. being like oh 30 God. and being like what do I want to do <laughs> yeah I still feel like a kid Mm -hmm. yeah um but my family relationships improved I would say too yeah um yeah because I was very combative I I am very combative honestly that's something that I still work on I yeah when I get you were just talking on one of your episodes about PMS and how like you just get really low (laughs) yeah yeah oh my god no it's a real problem like yeah problem for me currently and I get like, I guess just have like a lot of anger, I guess, um, mm. at that time of the month. Yeah. And so I would get into a lot of like arguments with family members and stuff. So that's improved a bit, you know, everything's a work in progress, but For sure. that's definitely improved. Yeah. It kind of just like bleeds into all aspects of your life. Like, even if that's something you still struggle with when you don't also have like your brain chemistry being altered by alcohol, like it, it does just make things better. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel like, I'm curious. Cause so you live in, are, are you in New York city or you're not anymore? Um, okay. I was, yeah. I, so after college, I moved to Manhattan and I lived there. Um, I lived on my own for a little bit and then I moved in with my now husband and we moved out. Um, we moved out of the city, April, 2021, which is, okay. that was the month that I had my like final, like right. not final, but I had my big, like the big one. Point yeah. And really committed to sobriety. And, um, 
I think that there it's telling that it happened when I moved out of the city because the city is such a hard uh, place for me to go back to even now. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, it, now cause it's just like connected to all those. Is it cause it's connected to all of your drinking memories or is it because it makes you feel more tempted or both? Or? Yeah, both, both. Okay. Both. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> um, both. It's definitely, uh, you know, passing by different, places where like certain yeah. things happened or certain nights or whatever. Um, but then the second thing you said is that always catches me really off guard, but now I kind of prepare for it in advance. Like the first time I went to a big vision event in New York, it was like a, it was a sober event. And I went with, um, I don't know if you follow like Jamie is fancy. Um, and Danielle from that sober glow, she's in yeah. sober IRL with me. So we went to, um, I went with a couple of those ladies to an event in the city and I was at a sober event and still was like, why am I having thoughts about running out yeah. of this place and going to sit at a bar by myself? Like, it was crazy. Like, it just it brings me back there. And I'm like, I know I don't want to do that. Right. There's this voice that's like coming out of nowhere. And I think it's just when I go back, it's like kind of a it just kind of comes back a little bit, but yeah. I have to, yeah, be mindful about it now. That Hopefully voice is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. That voice is so funny. I remember hitting, oh my gosh, was it maybe my 90 day milestone? And I remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm 90 days. I have to do something to celebrate. And the first thought that entered my brain was like, I have to drink tonight. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> like those yes. like connections are just so automatic yes. sometimes and we have to catch they them they are they are yeah. and that's I remind myself this is just my brain this like this is what's hardwired in my brain yes for so many years like this is yeah. not my conscious self speaking <laughs> like, yeah it's not me yeah so, you're like yeah. rewiring I mean, it we do that in, um, eating disorder recovery too. like name, mm. name the thing. Like it's not you, it's, it's something else. Um, like this voice is someone else's voice and they say to name it and that's kind of like a strategy, um, mentally. So yeah. a lot of people, yeah, they'll like name their disorders or name their addiction. Oh, so then if a thought comes in, you can be like, that's not me. That's Bob, yeah. like, you know, whatever. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's exactly. I like that. That's really cool. So how, okay. So how do you feel? The reason I brought up New York is I'm curious how, um, your social life has kind of shifted, um, in your sobriety. Yeah. Oh, I mean, immensely. Like I'm kind of, I've been a homebody for sure. The last three years, um, you know, since 2020, I mean, everybody was a homebody in 2020, but, um, no choice there, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I think, I don't know. I kind of like crawled into a little bit of a protective cave, um, socially. So in a sense of going out, like I, I don't really like go out very much, um, like partying anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I certainly like don't go to clubs and stuff like that, but I, and, and moving out of the city too, like you just don't go out nearly as much. Like it's so easy. Yeah. um, I'm sure Toronto is the same. Do you live in the city? Do I do. In- yeah. Okay. I'm in, so I'm, I'm in sure Toronto. it's the same, right? Yeah. Like you can just walk out and go out at any. Oh yeah. Any I have my place and- across the street from my condo that I frequent. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, you know, living now we're in the suburbs and um, yeah. we bought a house and it's, 
it's not you yeah, know, congrats not by the way that's exciting thank you thanks yeah so so I'm not as tempted but um mm. but I do like I said have a big family so the first couple of years like I did have to go to a lot of like big family parties and barbecues and I had to like I had like seven or eight weddings me and my husband oh. had to go to oh my we god our own um so so I did I did have to do that. Like, so I think I kind of, I, I shut down in terms of like going out and making plans and stuff like that. But I did have a lot of other things to do. And those were all like, those were all milestones in those first couple of years. Yeah. Like every, every wedding I attended and didn't drink was like, a it's huge a milestone. Year. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially if it involved traveling, like getting on, getting on a plane and going through an airport, which is Oh my like, God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah Uh, talk about a place that like you'll start being like do I need a a mimosa right now like it's ridiculous how much people are drinking in the airport (laughs) I got so lucky let me tell you I'm so lucky that I got sober during a global pandemic because Uh I am the most nervous flyer and for years and years, the only way I could ever get on a plane was to get drunk. And like, I'm right there with you. Oh my God. I just hate I'm flying. Yeah. I hate it. I have a trip <sighs> coming up next, next Friday. I need to fly. And I'm like, for the last like two weeks, I've been like mentally preparing myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I totally feel that. I remember like, I think I've said before on this podcast maybe, but like when I quit drinking and it was like traveling was so not even remotely something that was a possibility for a long time. But I remember saying to my mom, like, can't I just be a sober person who only drinks when they fly? Like, I'm not, I'm not (laughs) going to be able to do it. That'll just be my one exception. So I got lucky that by the time I had to fly, I was already so far in it that there was no way I was going to, I was going to drink, but yeah. Yeah. Just face your fears when you're sober. I'm trying to think of of what my first flight was now. Um, Mine was to New York. Oh, it was? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm trying to think. I don't even remember, but I was totally the same and I would Mm -hmm. get like hammered just to get through a flight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Same. The only way. Yeah. I'll get to the airport and try to get as much wine in me as possible um, before doing it. But Hey, like I did it sober and it was terrifying, but then I remember being like, Oh my God, I freaking did it. Like, yeah. Such a good feeling afterwards. What are your strategies? Oh, calming down. God, honestly, I feel like I can't offer helpful ones because my strategy was just like, I'm scared shitless and I have no choice but to just be here and be scared and nothing I can do is going to calm me down right now because I'm just like up here. No, but like what I did do, I mean, like literally death grip on death grip on my poor sister's hand, deep breaths, blasting music. Like yeah. I had like one song on repeat for all of takeoff. Um, <laughs> I also find it I do really, the same, though. do you, this is like yeah. only one song that can like do it for me at the time. A calming song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also my, you know what? My uncle's a pilot and oh, whenever amazing. I talk to him, sometimes like I have called him before at the airport and been like ramble on to me about how safe this plane is right now. That like talk me off amazing. the ledge. It's helpful. I need that. Oh my yeah. god, that I'll would give you his number. <laughs> no, but now you're making me realize one of my cousins is a pilot and he's in the Air Force, not like a commercial pilot, but yeah. still, like that's a great idea because logically thinking about it, it's exactly sobriety, like logically thinking, learning about the science. Yes. You, 
I don't know. I'm trying to draw a connection here, but you get what I'm saying? No, like, that's a, to- that is a really good connection. Variety, Me too. Learning about the science of safety, <laughs> aerospace. Yeah. <laughs> can help you just, no, because I, my mind always says you're more likely to get, and I don't know if this is going to, this is not advice. It helps me. You're more likely to get into a car accident. Yeah. That's what everyone says. You get in a car every day. You get in yep. a car every single day. Um, yeah. So I, I try, that's what I try to tell myself, but distractions, you know what I do? I go into my phone and I like go through photos that need to be deleted and like organize <gasps> my photos. Oh, that's in videos. That's productive too. Cause I'm always well, out of storage. <laughs> yes. And you yeah. don't need the Wi-Fi. Like you don't need right. anything. Right. 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 So that's, my Oh, tip. that's good. That's really good. Yeah. But like science, so true. Science helped my sobriety yeah. so much. And like, yeah, reading, reading up on how safe flying is, is helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because oh the, the, the thoughts get so irrational. Like I'm like, I'm so irrational. Oh, same. Every time we hit a bump, I'm like, it's, it's been fun. <laughs> I'm about to die. <laughs> oh my, God. Oh my gosh. So, okay. No, Speaking of coping skills, good segue. What are, what would you say are like the tools that have been most helpful for you in your sobriety? Yeah. Um, oh, so many, so many, so many. It's, I literally tried everything. I've like thrown everything at the wall just to see yeah. what sticks, but. Which is what you have um, to do, right? Yeah. I mean, community is number one. I have to, mm. and so, and at first I didn't know what that means. I would keep hearing that like in recovery yeah. spaces, like yeah. it's so important. Just having your people and they don't all need to be the same. Like you don't, if you don't have a perfect like group, cause you know, sometimes it's easy to, to believe the inner voice. And if you're, if you're struggling with finding community, you seem to believe that like everybody has this perfect, like unreachable, unattainable, like perfect sobriety community. Mm-hmm. And you can just, you can build your own community. So for me, like I have my two best friends in the world who have known me since I was 15. They have been so supportive for me. My husband's part of my community. He's like my biggest cheerleader. And then the various people that I've met in groups. So like Danielle, that's over glow. Yeah. Um, love her. Sarah from She Let Go. We talk every single day. Like, yeah. Um, sober IRL. Try every, try other communities too. It's what I yeah. always tell people. So I, I've tried like join Monument. I did Tempest. I did, um, I'm thinking about signing up for the luckiest club because they have like, that's what I did. I have a big schedule. Oh, you did? Yeah. So yep. I've been thinking about it because I just want more meetings. I'm out of, sometimes I, you know, and also your toolbox can change. My toolbox has changed over time. I needed mm-hmm. meetings at the beginning. And then I went through a period where I just like, didn't, it wasn't helping. So yeah, I stopped and now I'm feeling like I want to start, you know, I've, I've recently been going to more. And so what I like, is just like having fun with different tools and trying different things to mix it up and keep yourself, yeah. um, you know, not bored. Podcasts have always from the beginning recovery elevator, um, recovery unlimited, I think is the name of the other podcast. Her name's Angela Pugh, the one who hosts that one. She, she has such a calming voice. And like my first, I'm talking like first 90 days. Mm. So good. Um, her Jill, um, from sober powered. Yeah. One of my first, one of the first people I followed and connected with, I've been like 
listening to her podcast and the first one she released. And it's helpful because um, it's science, right? The science. Which I love yes. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her, I mean, books, I just, um, and I have used cannabis throughout my recovery mm-hmm. um, in different forms. So like CBD, um, whether it's like a tincture or a gummy, those are big on the planes for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll do like a CBD THC for the plane, but also sometimes that makes me anxious. So it's just about like, how am I feeling? What do I need right now? Yeah. Um, and just being very intentional about, about being intentional about being consistent, I guess, because I can, I'm the type who can easily start. Oh, I haven't used my tools in like three weeks. And it's like, right. where did those three weeks just go? Like, I haven't listened to a podcast. I haven't joined a meeting. I haven't checked in on my group chat. Um, so just making sure I'm always tapping into a few things, um, yeah. even just my Instagram, like the past five days I didn't post and I'm like, Oh, that's weird. I was in a funk. Like yeah, I just wasn't uh... feeling creative and wasn't feeling like talking about sobriety. And like, that's kind mm-hmm. of a red flag for me. Cause that means I'm like, kind of in a funk if I'm not engaging in some way. Yeah. Cause it is a freaking accountability tool. Instagram, is it not? Like it feels so funny to say, but like Instagram genuinely, I feel was a big thing that got me sober and has kept me sober. Yes. Yeah. I've even struggled with that where at certain stages, I'm just like, Oh, I'm on this all the time. And I feel addicted to my phone. Yeah. And I feel addicted to like, uh, like, you know, finding myself like feeling guilty if I don't post or something. And it's like, yeah. oh, like, why am I putting this on myself? But it was huge for accountability. And I, it did feel like at first it was used as a personal journal. Like if you go all the way back, um, and I'm sure this is the same with a lot of people, but all the way back in mine, it was like just my inner, like long captions of like what I was going through at the time. Yeah. And, like, it totally um, is like a record of, a of journal. Like your journey. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, I like that aspect too, but it can, yeah, it can become, you know, the internet's a stressful place sometimes. So it, so I have to be careful with that too. Like, yeah, you know, they say to check for cross cross addictions and I'm like, oh, social media is definitely like, it's a tricky one for me sometimes. It is for me as well. And I've been trying really hard to start putting in more boundaries for myself around that. And like, not, you know, it's so funny. Like I tried like, um, like a week or two ago, I was like, I'm going to stop scrolling Instagram. Like after 8 PM, I'm not opening up the app to scroll it. Like, Mm -hmm. and I noticed that I did that for a few days. And then one night after a few days of it, I scrolled in bed before going to bed. And then I woke up in the morning and had like noticeably more anxiety in the morning. And it was just like such a tangible difference that I was like, wow that's wow it was yeah so I need to and like not saying I've stuck with it still since then but like it's even just good to be aware of because it's something I really need to work on too yeah well and taking breaks from things or doing little experiments and challenges that's a way of exploring it right like just with sober curiosity like doing a 42-day challenge or taking off or, or dry January like even just trying something once and seeing how much of a, of a difference it makes in your life, like it can kind of spark change later on. So even if you're so true. still scrolling through bed, like you still <laughs> know that in your mind and maybe you'll get to, to a point where you want to reevaluate it again. But yeah. I'm so bad with that. I'm on my, yeah, I, me and my husband try to put our phones away at night, but yeah, 
a work in progress. <laughs> Awareness is the first step to change. Like I thought about getting sober for a long time before I did it and drank with awareness about the fact that like, oh, got to deal with this. And I feel like it can be the same with anything else where like, so true. once you become aware that something's problematic, it doesn't mean that you have to do something right then because like that yeah. awareness and thinking about it is kind of like the first step, right? Yes, there is. And I'm going to plug this only because because before we started recording, I said I was just on Suzanne's The Sober Mom Life podcast. Yeah. She hasn't released the episode, but she has an episode. Her mom's a therapist or a psychologist, and they talk about the five stages of change and how I believe the first step is like is just awareness. And then yeah. like, it's another step to be aware of it and say, okay, I'm going to address that later. Like, yeah. And that's, that's like, that's a stage. Like that's a valid point of yes. the journey, you know? And I think what's so important about that too, is that I think that if we all believed that acknowledging something meant that we had to make a change right away, I think a lot of us would not be as honest with ourselves. So true. Yeah. Because like you need that space to be able to evaluate something without feeling like, oh my God, I have to do something that I'm not ready to do. Like, I feel like you need that space where you can really just like sit with it and be like, I don't have to take action, but I am going to be honest with myself about this. And I'm going to observe this and then I'm going to pay attention to it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a different, it's a different part of like your consciousness that you're using to, yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's great. That's, it's another way to, like, I always say inclusive recovery spaces where some, some can feel, some can feel like, oh, unless you're fully sober, like right. we're not speaking to you. Right. And it's like, that's why I do try to talk about slips and stuff like that, because someone might not know that they're going to make this decision yet. Mm-hmm. Like they might have just stumbled upon to this and, you know, upon this and, and they're exploring it. So I feel like getting people at that stage is so important. Yes. Um, and it's just they like need to feel safe to be them. in that state, in that space of evaluating yeah. it and trying to figure out like it's a freaking hard thing to figure out and navigate. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what they're getting into when they first start exploring their sober curiosity. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so good. Okay. Something else that I want to talk to you about is um, you got married about close to a year ago and you did yes. your wedding sober. Yes, I so did. How was that? I want to hear about it. It was great. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I am, I'm definitely an anxious person. Like mm-hmm. I'm definitely, um, it was stressful. So it was, okay. you know, a stressful process leading up to it. And um, we had a big wedding. Um, it's like over 250 or something like around there. Yeah. Um, how quickly you forget. I'm like, I knew these numbers like the back of my hand at one point <laughs> last year, <laughs> but, um, but it was a big wedding and, you know, there was still, I mean, global pandemic happening and regulations right. changing. Um, and oh, also stressful, so kind of stressful, but I, I'm so glad that I did it all clear headed. Like, yeah. Um, I will say I, one of the, you know, one of the times that I went dress shopping, I was still drinking. And that was like when I was really trying hard to get out of my cycle and stop Mm -hmm. drinking and um, was doing like 1000 hours dry challenges and stuff like that. And um, I'm just so, so happy because looking back on that day that like me and my best friend went and we um, tried on, tried on dresses for me, it was just like, 
such a like I can't even look at the pictures because I'm like I was so disconnected like I wasn't even there I just cared about the alcohol because you know when you go and you try on dresses a lot of places will like give you a glass of champagne yeah or something and then they'll you know just keep refilling so I kind of fell for that my first time going and doing dresses um Mm. but but got stronger and stronger you know in sobriety as I progressed throughout the year planning my wedding and um yeah, I'm just happy that I did it. I'm happy that I did it because I would have, I would have been blacked out at like all of my events. I definitely would have, um, I would have been, you know, my shower, my rehearsal dinner, all of it. I mean, I, I, I shared that I slept at my bachelorette party, but, um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't planned. It wasn't like a typical, like stereotypical bachelorette party. It was, um, I did, I didn't even call it a bachelorette because I had, I had like all my bridesmaids. And then I just did a weekend thing with a few close, like high school friends. Um, a lot of my family and my cousins were in my bridal shower. And I just, um, I wasn't really like talking about sobriety with my whole family yet. So I did, you know, one of my maid of honors, I had two of them, they planned kind of like a alcohol-free, like focused, um, weekend. And it was, um, out in the Hamptons, but it was in the middle of winter. So it's not like beach Hamptons. Um, but we did like salt caves and we did, um, yoga and we had like a hot tub and we had a chef come. And so it was very thoughtfully planned with my sobriety in mind. And still I slipped, Mm. um, pretty badly. So, um, it kind of just goes to show, like, I wasn't, when I say like, oh, I slipped at my bachelorette party, I think people like probably picture something different, but I'm like, right. They picture like a wild, like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) no, it wasn't. It was like very, very low key. And I still slipped, but, um, but otherwise I think if I hadn't slipped at my bachelorette party, I was still having a lot of thoughts about drinking at my wedding and on my honeymoon. So I'm, grateful that I slipped when I did in the company that I did, um, in the environment that I did. It was, you know, like I said, a very like controlled environment, just a handful of my closest friends. And, um, I'm, I'm so grateful that it happened then and not at my wedding or not at my rehearsal dinner. And these were all open bar events. My, like I said, my, I do come from a family that enjoys drinking and, Mm -hmm it was all open bar and, you know, all of the alcohol you could want was available. So, um, I think that I would have been tempted to have a drink on my wedding day if I, if I didn't flip then, but the wedding was amazing to look back on and just be like, you're so like, you're high off the energy of it being your wedding day. Like I didn't even, and my husband only had one drink. Um, he drinks and, um, he only had one that night and that was just like, he just didn't feel like he needed it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it turned out, turned out for the best. Gosh, I find it so funny that like weddings and drinking are so intertwined. And like, when you tell people, like, if you're someone who says like, yeah, I'm never going to drink again. So often people will be like, well, not even at your wedding. And it's like, oh my God, so backwards to me because I'm like, why of all days, <laughs> Why of all days would that be when I want to drink and risk blacking out and forgetting it 
like what's supposed oh to be, you know, one day out of your life, blacking out, embarrassing yourself in front of everyone, you know, <laughs> like to me, I'm just like, I don't awesome. get it of all the days. That's the day I would want to be sober for the most. I want to remember it. Yes. Preach, please. Because this is this, that's all I was saying leading up to the wedding. I got so much, I don't want to call it pressure, but so many questions from yeah family mostly just being like oh come on like oh you have to have a glass of champagne on your wedding Mm -hmm. day or like oh you're crazy like even even comments like that which like they don't mean much by it but for somebody who's trying to stay sober for their wedding day like and at that point before I had slipped at my bachelorette party I was not actually even after that I don't think I could even say forever like I couldn't say now I do like I need to be sober forever like now I can say yeah. that um, wow that's a big step but, to be able to say that yeah and and it is but I, like leading up to the wedding I wasn't there yet and I still had that doubt like I said and so mm-hmm. even you know I knew that like I I need to not drink right now like I'm planning my wedding this is like a huge time in my life right now I know that I'm better without alcohol so I don't know when I'm stopping but I'm like gonna keep going and I had my eyes set on a year got very close but um but like, I just, I just couldn't get away from those comments, like even at work, um, mm. like, oh my God, or what about the honeymoon or like, oh, well, you're doing all inclusive. So you have to, like, it's a waste of money. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. From everyone, from, from family and friends and coworkers, you get it a lot as a bride and it's just like, how you know, did you navigate? One day. Yeah. Right. And how did you navigate like those you conversations? Did. Because Yeah, I feel like that's something that a lot of people listening might be wondering if they're in like a similar situation, even if it's not their wedding and it's just like they're getting those types of comments because we all kind of do. Like, yeah, how did you navigate that? Um, Well, with my family and I'm really close with my family, so they they know I would kind of make it into a joke and I I use humor a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I use humor a lot around around recovery and I kind of like self-deprecating humor every once in a while. But yeah. I would say things like, you know, if it was like an aunt or an uncle or something like kind of nudging me to drink um, or nudge or asking me why I wouldn't drink, I'd be like, you've seen me drunk, right? Like you've, you've seen what happens to me when I drink a little too much. Like, do you want me to be like that on my wedding? Like right. I'd say things like that, or I'd be like, yeah, I would kind of use, use humor in that way. Being like, you've seen what happens to me. Like you think there's going to be like, if there's one day I'm not drinking just literally, just like you said, I would say things like that. If there was one day that I was planning on breaking my 280 day streak, it's not going to be my wedding day. Yeah, That's what I would say. I'd be like, it's been eight months. It's been seven months. It's not, I'm not going to break it on the day that I want to look and feel my very best. Like, no. And remember everything, especially being someone who blacks out after three drinks, like I'm going to need my memory. Um, I'm going to want to look back at photos and, and just, yeah, not be ashamed in any way when I look back at my wedding day. And luckily I'm not, and it was great. And it definitely was like, that was a high point for sure. That was like, I love that. Yeah. And honestly, for anybody listening, like for me, the harder, the harder moments were the moments leading up to it. My shower, mm. um, tastings, like wedding tastings at your venue because they offer you wine and all that. Um, and bachelorette, even though it, even though it wasn't a rowdy bachelorette, it was still yeah. those were harder for me than the actual wedding day because um, you just have so much going on the wedding day and you're just like, 
high on life and high on high on the wedding vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Something I want to make sure that we get to talk about, and we did kind of had have a bit of an extensive chat about it before we started recording, but I love so much that on your page, you talk about both like your sober journey and also your eating disorder recovery. And I said this to you before, and I'll say it now again, is that I think that that conversation and like that voice is so needed in the sober community, because I think coming into the sober community, if you're someone who has struggled with eating disorders or, you know, disordered eating body image, any of it, like I definitely have my history with all of that. Sadly, like most women, um, Mm -hmm. it can be a very triggering place. I think on the sober Instagram community, there's a lot of um, oh, benefits of cutting out booze, you'll lose weight. There's a lot of before and afters, like drinking and sober, showing weight loss. There's a lot of like, oh, get sober and then exercise every day. And if you're someone who like those aren't healthy things for you or healthy, mm-hmm, yeah. like mental, like it can be really triggering. So um, I think that's such an important conversation. I think it's something that needs to be talked about more in the sober community. Cause then I feel like that is where people a lot of people get community now is like on Instagram. So I think it's a shame for someone who maybe struggles with both of these things to be coming in and then maybe be getting like help getting sober, but then they're triggered in this other, this other, um, thing. So, and you know, all the research kind of points to like alcohol use and eating disorders being really linked. So, Mm -hmm. um, can you speak just a bit to like that journey and how you feel like your drinking and your eating disorder kind of were like intertwined? Yeah, definitely. I was just gonna, I was, I always try to remember the stat, but I, I'm not even going to butcher it. I, I post about the link between, um, you know, alcohol use disorders and eating disorders and the crossover mm. or sub not even just alcohol, but substance, substance abuse and eating disorders. Um, you're way more likely to have one or the other, you know, if you already have, um, mental illness, you're very, very likely to have substance abuse as well and vice versa. But, and, and a lot of people don't know that I think that eating disorders are like one of the highest, um, in mortality rates of all of the mental illnesses. Yeah. I've heard that. It's not the highest. Um, and it's, uh, you know, eating disorders are hard to talk about period. Like when you Mm -hmm. don't even overlay the, um, you know, the substance and the alcohol stuff with it. Um, and especially for me too, I I think the internet played a big role in fueling my eating disorder when I was younger. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Tumblr spaces like that, where I don't know if like you might remember, cause I know we're around the same age, like thinspiration was a thing. Yes. Oh, Um, and so I was very wrapped up in that, like when I first started trying to lose weight and then that snowballed, um, Mm -hmm. for many, many years into disordered eating, but, um, it played a, it played a role in fueling it. So I am very careful to talk about, I'm careful about talking about it. Um, but it is a goal of mine for this year to just start talking more and more about it than I already Mm -hmm. am because it is so prevalent. Um, just like the existence of of body image and eating issues with substance abuse and alcohol abuse. But what you're saying is something that like, honestly, I haven't even given much thought. And like, it's such a cool perspective to hear when you said it before we started recording, I was like, Whoa, you just, 
kind of blew my mind because I, you, I identify with that a hundred percent, but I guess I didn't notice it because I, I automatically assume that because I have an eating disorder, I'm looking at everything related to food and weight in like this skewed right. way. So when, so even this morning, I think I got a, I think I got an email from like monument or something. And, it, and the subject line was, um, alcohol isn't good for weight loss or something like that is the subject yep. line. And I looked at it and I like rolled my eyes. Cause I'm just like, oh, like I don't care. like, that's not even what I'm thinking about when I'm like thinking about trying to quit drinking and stay sober. Yep. But a lot of people are, and, mm-hmm. and you're making me realize that and, and making me see it in a different way, which I really appreciate because um, I don't think I've thought about that too much, but it's so true. If you come in and you know, the worst are before and after pictures, like, yeah. And, and even worse than that is like showing people what you eat in a day. Like I yeah. hate those videos. The what Me I too. eat in a day videos are like, and I'm not talking about like food bloggers and people who like do that as their niche and like chefs and people who make recipes and all that. That's awesome. Like I follow a ton of those and I follow a ton of health accounts, but I think it can be, you know, what I eat in a day, weight loss, um, before and afters, or like weight loss products, like those can all be very, very triggering, triggering for people who, yep. um, or, and even fitness programs, you know, fitness before and afters, even if it's not weight loss, but like toning your body, like before and afters, those can be very triggering. And so I'm a little, I guess I'm a little bit used to tuning it out. But for mm. somebody that's not, or for somebody that's just starting to to realize that maybe they have food and body issues that they have to address, like the recovery space can be really tricky yeah. um, because there is so much talk about losing weight as a benefit. Yeah. It is a benefit. Like I said, before we started recording, like it is a valid benefit. Like people do, there are people that need to lose weight, that that's their goal, whether it's physical, you know, like medical or or just like, they want to feel good about themselves. Like, that's great. Like, I don't want to discourage that, but I do think more awareness needs to be brought or maybe we just need to have more spaces that are just keeping that in mind. Um, yeah. Cause it can be, it can be hard to see for someone like me. Yeah. Who struggles with both. Yeah. It's, it is, it's like a tricky, conversation to have because like for me the before and afters is like okay so what you're implying the point of a before and after is to say look at what I looked like then and I look better now this version is better and what if you're someone whose body type you see your body type represented more in the before and then you're like oh great so what you're telling me is that like I look like shit because I look more like the before that you're basically like condemning right now yes uh it's so true and I can already think of like a bunch of a bunch of pages like that. It's just like, why is the emphasis so much on the visual yeah. change in the first place? And it does make me wonder if those, you know, everybody's on their own, everybody's on their own path. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me wonder if like, they might look back at it differently. Another thing is like, reco- sobriety aside, most people who go on diets and lose a lot of weight, like won't keep that weight off. Like that's just yeah. the facts. Like, Cause dieting's not healthy for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I'm always like, I don't, I think I've told myself that so many times that again, I kind of just tune it out and I like, yeah. don't even let my brain absorb any of that sort of visual information that I get in the recovery space. But, but 
Yeah. And, and what if you don't, you know, I actually remember once I did a, a FAQ or a, not an FAQ, a Q and a yeah. like question box thing. And somebody, somebody was saying how, um, like they're not losing any weight. They've been sober for a year and they're not losing any weight. And it's like, yeah, there there's people like that too. So it's, mm-hmm. it's also kind of spreading this generalization that this yeah. incorrect generalization that like, oh, if you stop drinking, you're going to lose a hundred pounds or you're going to lose 50 pounds or whatever it is. Um, and it's just not true for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, so much packed in yeah. there that I like it's hadn't hard. really thought about it. Yeah, it's yeah. hard because I know that like, and I I'm definitely not trying to shame anybody who does post, you know, whatever. It's it's everyone's yeah. journey, but I struggle sometimes with the emphasis being on like get sober, you're gonna look better. Because I'm like, maybe you'll drop some weight, maybe you won't, maybe this like my skin still breaks out a lot and I'm sober. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, but like that's that. I just feel like that should not be the why it's so besides the point in my head. And yeah, I think it's, it's a really slippery slope with, with calling that, um, sort of like a benefit because to me, I'm like, maybe it'll happen, but like, look at how much your life transforms, look at how much you transform inside. Right. Yeah. To me, that's for sure what it's, what it's about. Yes. Or just like, weight aside or appearance aside, like how healthy is your body functioning? And so how about like, let's remove alcohol because it's toxic. It's literally toxic. And let's start figuring out how to nourish our bodies. Like, that's what I like, you know, Dr. Mm. Brooke Brooke Scheller is an account that I absolutely love. She's a doctor, but, um, I think she's doctor of nutrition. And so like that, you know, that's a great way, in my opinion, as somebody who's really sensitive to like the weight loss stuff or the fitness Mm -hmm. stuff or like, yeah, you know, turn all your attention to the gym. Like, no, that would be not healthy if I did that. Exactly. Um, It's like a good alternative. is like, let's learn how to nourish our bodies. Let's learn Mm -hmm. what we need. Do we need a walk? Do we need sunlight? Like, do we need water? Do we need... And that's something that I'm still working on too. It's like knowing yeah. your body's cue, learning your body's cues because alcohol drowns out all of those cues. Like, oh, it's, you know, if something's feeling off, it's like, am I hungover or was that something else? You know, so right. removing alcohol for me, I always felt sick, but removing it is like actually allowing me to like see when my body's healthy and when it's not. Yeah. And so solve true. issues with my body. Yeah. It's so like focusing like, on health in terms of like well-being, like yeah. just like literally being well, not about like what your body looks like, but how it feels and like taking yeah. care of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I understand, you know, like it being in a smaller body, it's, I would like to hear a perspective of, you know, like you said, not shaming anybody for sharing the way that they want to share, but it's, I'm, I'm sure that somebody in a bigger body might have a cool, interesting perspective to bring on this. Um, and I definitely, I completely agree with you that it needs to be talked about more Mm -hmm. in this, in this community that we love so much. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we just need more pages. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, um, I feel like it's everywhere already, you know, weight loss, all of that. And I'm just like, let's just make more pages where people getting sober can go. But that also like is free of all of that 
shit. So if you don't want to see it, you don't have to see it. And that's yeah. one of the many things that I love about your page for sure. Um, well, is you, you. kind of touching on both of those. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what I'm trying to build um, mm. over on you don't have to drink is kind of a space that's sensitive to both of those things yeah. and kind of talks about the intersection of it. And I'm still learning and I'm still recovering from my eating disorder now. So mm. it's like, I, yeah, I guess, I guess it's sensitive because I'm sensitive about it. And, and, right. I, and I, I like that that can be a space for people like me who might be struggling with both. Yeah. Oh, so people important. Who aren't and just want to learn about it. That too. That's so true. Because even if you're not someone who, you know, necessarily struggles with like an eating disorder, I think body image is something that everybody struggles with. And I think we all have a lot of conditioning that some of us might not even be aware of. So it's so true. It can be a space to learn and it can be a space to not only learn about yourself, but how to, how to, um, be more mindful of it around other people because you never know who around you might be struggling with an eating disorder as well. So yeah, it's, oh my gosh, such an important conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy that we had it. I'm happy that you asked about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, I feel like (laughs) we have so much else we could talk about. I I loved having you on. I know. I love this too. Oh my God. We'll have to have you back on for sure. Thank you so much. Tell everyone where can they find you? What have you got going on? Yes. You can find me at you don't have to drink um, just on Instagram. I'm I'm afraid of TikTok, so we're not going. Oh my there. god, so still am I? Oh, you you're not on it either. I'm not kidding you. I got a text from my sister yesterday saying, "Maddie, you should really go on TikTok." And I was like, "No, but I'm scared of it." <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> it scares me. I'm already on my phone enough. I don't need yeah. another social platform. Oh my god. Like, I got rid yeah. of Facebook. I got rid of Snapchat. I got rid of Twitter. Like we're off of it. And I Instagram. don't want to, I'm just, I just don't want to, I don't want to do it. So only on yeah. Instagram, Okay. you don't have to drink. Um, and yeah, I talk like, like we covered, I talk about quitting drinking. I talk about recovering from alcohol, abuse, misuse, whatever you want to call it, whatever label you want to use. And um, I hope to start to do a couple exciting things this year for the community, but I don't know what those will be yet. We'll see. <laughs> I love the suspense. I can't wait to see. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll chat very Thank soon. You. Thank you so much for listening this week. Make sure that you go give Meg a follow on Instagram at you don't have to drink. If you enjoyed this episode, then be sure to share it on social media or share it with a friend. And of course, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, that would be amazing. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Happiest Sober and at Happiest Sober Podcast. And if you'd like weekly sober inspo straight to your inbox, then head to happiestsober.com to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I hope you all have an amazing week. Remember that life is happiest when you're sober. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. 
We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.